Welcome to the Coffee and Catnaps Parenting Podcast brought to you by Lake Country Sleep. I'm your host, Erin. I am a boy mom, avid coffee drinker, sleep consultant, and expert in early childhood development and education. I hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to this episode of the Coffee and Catnaps Parenting Podcast. Today I have with me my friend Angela from Knappenberger Sleep Consulting. And Angela and I are going to be talking all about the detrimental effects on sleep and bedtime when your child's schedule is too jam-packed. Now, Angela is a mom of a five-year-old daughter, and she has a few more years of experience in the parenting realm than I do and has experience with somewhat of a jam-packed schedule at times. So she's going to be sharing her best advice for all of you parents out there. And even if you are listening with just little ones right now, you're not quite in that stage yet, you're going to want to listen to the end because these are things you can keep in the back of your mind as your kids work through these early childhood years and head into the school age years. So Angela, welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you, Erin. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. I'm, I'm excited for this conversation tonight. So to kick it off, can you just tell us a little bit about you, how you got into sleep consulting and what your story is? Yes, absolutely. So, so like many parents, I had no idea the sleep consulting thing even existed um, until I needed it myself. So, so yes, my daughter's now five, but when she was seven months old and, and prior to then, from the moment she was born, uh, she was not a good sleeper. Um, so she was up between two to five times a night to nurse or just to play or who knows why. (laughs) And, um, it was, it was a challenge. I mean, laundry was piling up um i couldn't even i remember there were days where it's like oh yeah i need to make dinner what am i gonna have what should i cook and it's already like 4 30 you know because my mind just was not thinking of that um wasn't losing a baby weight husband and me we were fighting just from the moment he walked in the house it was like how dare you (laughs) and he didn't even do anything um you know, and I fell into a depression and just, and things were just not good and were about as bad as they could possibly be. Uh, so I had chatted with my doctor about it and she told me about sleep training. And I thought, you know, we, we have nothing, nothing to lose. Like I said, it couldn't have gotten any worse. So we tried the program. Um, and I want to say it was by night three that she was now sleeping through. You know, and I didn't even know that that was possible at, at seven months old. I just, I was blown away. Um, and it wasn't too long after that she was taking really good naps and was just sleeping like a charm. And we would get compliments on it all the time. Like we would go and visit people and like, oh, her, it's her nap time. So they'd let us use their 
a spare bedroom or whatever and we'd put her a little pack and play up and you know and she would just sleep wonderfully so naturally it just fixed and changed and improved all those things um, and I felt like for the first time I was like really enjoying motherhood and not just like you know drudging uh, and pulling myself through it and and um, hardly even getting by um, so I just thought, you know, this is so trans transformational, so important. And, um, and I saw a need. There's a, you know, my story in no way was unique. I mean, I feel like it's just so many moms out there. So I'm like, you know, I have to do something to help. Um, and it just, it just fits me so well. I have a background in education. So there's a lot of teaching and coaching involved and and it just is my passion now. So. I love that. And I feel like, like you said, that situation is not unique. And a lot of families, you know, enter parenthood and they just don't know any better. That was the same for me as well. Even with my background in education and early childhood development, I was not prepared for the sleep deprivation that comes with those early newborn days. Um, so I fully understand that. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that as well. So now you are to the point where your daughter's a little older, definitely not a baby anymore. And you're starting to experience the busyness <laughs> that comes along with this season of life. Um, and as parents, we still want to make sleep a priority into the school age years. Um, you know, as well as I know that um, sleep is really when a lot of the magic happens in our brain and a lot of the learning that occurs during the day, a lot of the information that we've taken in um, and that our children are taking in in the classroom, uh, that's when it is what it, what gets sorted out, what gets kept as a memory, uh, what gets pruned and get your, your brain just cleans things up when you're sleeping. Um, so we definitely want to continue to prioritize sleep into the school years. So what are some of the effects that not prioritizing sleep can have on our kids? Oh, geez. <laughs> It's a long list for sure. Um, well, I mean, you did touch on it a little bit uh, learning wise. Kids that sleep better tend to do better on tests. I mean, there's been studies that prove it time and time again. Um, and it does have a lot to do with what you said about the brain. It, you know, it's a pruning of what we've learned throughout the day. Like this, th this thing that happened today wasn't important. We're not going to remember it. Oh, but this, we learned ABCs. That's important. We'll remember that, you know, so it goes from that short-term memory to long-term memory. Um, and that's really important because there's very little in education that doesn't build on itself, you know? Uh, so like learning to read first, you need to know the letters and then the sounds and then how they blend together and math, you need to know numbers and what happens when you add one plus one or you know it all builds on itself so if you kind of if you miss something down here at the bottom you're not going to do well with something at the top um 
So yeah, that's, that's definitely one thing is learning for sure. Um, I would say another thing is, is your mood and a child's mood and their temperament. So <laughs> kids aren't that much different than adults with sleep. Whereas if we don't get enough sleep, we're grouchy. We're, someone cuts us off and normally we'd shrug it off. Now we're yelling and we're kind of a hazard on the road. <laughs> and kids are, the, it's similar with them too. They can't quite handle any kind of extra stress or, or conflict because their um, their ability to, to handle stress really is dampened when they don't get enough sleep, um, which can only lead to a plethora of problems, as you can imagine. Um, so there's learning, there's behavior, believe it or not, can affect their eating habits. Um, generally, kids that don't sleep well, they they don't eat well because the body's craving quick, fast energy, which is also known as carbs. So they're just looking for, you know, bread or French fries or, you know, quick fatty food to kind of give them a boost of energy. Um, and they would not really go for like lean proteins or vegetables or, you know, the things that they really need. So not getting enough sleep, you know, can affect them and from a nutritional standpoint. Um, I want to say even with their, their growth, because during, during sleep, uh, around 3 a.m., human gro growth hormone is released into the system. Now, if your child is always waking at 3 a.m., uh, for another cup of juice or whatever it might be, I can only imagine that that's playing a role in their growth. Maybe they're not growing as well or uh, as tall as they're, they're supposed to be or, or whatever. Um, and also it's muscle repair too during that time. Um, so maybe they won't heal as well if they get an injury. Um, and not getting enough sleep also wreaks havoc on the immune system. So, and kids are just, they're like germ, like a big germ walking around, you know, and they're germ magnets too. I mean, they, they think nothing of like dropping a, a cracker in, in the dirt and just eating it. Like, what's the big deal, you know? And um, so then take that on top of a, a, of, of a child not getting enough sleep and uh, they're probably going to be getting sick all the time too. Um, now, certainly you can't prevent every illness, but there are, your child has more of a fighting chance if they're getting enough sleep to fight things off. Um, and then if they do get sick, if they're getting enough sleep, they will recover sooner because the body's getting the rest it needs to, to fight that infection or that virus. Um, so I'm thinking, do you have any other ones? I'm trying to think if that's it or. Yeah, I mean, when you say all of that, it really does have a snowball effect on your overall health and well-being. You know, we think about nutrition and sleep being the most very basic foundations of well-being. Um, we wouldn't give our kids junk food, so we shouldn't give them junk sleep all the time too, right? So when we think about our kids getting older, participating in more of these um, 
after school activities, um, whatever it is, swim lessons, Boy Scouts, uh, soccer, t-ball, all that fun stuff, dance lessons. Um, how can parents prioritize sleep with all of these things going on? I mean, we expect our kids to get up by 6, 6.30 in the morning and then go to school all day long and then right from school, uh, buzz over to whatever lesson or activity it is, somehow try to cram in dinner and still make it to bed at a decent time. So what, what can parents do? tough. I mean, it's, it is really tough because on one hand, you want to give your child all these various opportunities to really find themselves and to grow and to learn and develop. But at the same time, uh, you know, you, if you sign them up for soccer practice, let's say, that meets like three or four times a, a night throughout the week. And then you have a game or a practice you know, every Saturday or Sunday, it's like, oh my goodness. Um, in my opinion, it's kind of like overtaxing. I mean, even as an adult, I'd be like, this is so much. Um, so I, I, part of me feels like there has to be a level of compromise. So if you do an activity, it's like, well, it's just one night a week where we're there, you know, half hour past bedtime, you know, um, and then the, the following nights, you would then put your child to bed a little earlier to kind of make up for that lost sleep. Um, so I think a level of compromise is really good, but then at other times it's, a, you just simply say, no, we're not doing it, you know? Um, because there is this idea in American culture that more is more. And I, I just don't believe that, I mean, I think less is more when it comes to scheduling because, okay, yes, they, they take swimming lessons and archery lessons and they do soccer and they do a uh, painting workshop or whatever. And that's all just over the course of one week. And those are all great things that they're, they're learning and gaining, but what are they also losing by doing those things? You know, so they're doing these great things, but because they're not getting enough sleep, are they really learning from them? Are they really enjoying them? Is it really worth all that time they're putting into it? And I would say no. I mean, if you have to sacrifice bedtime three, four nights a week or more, then that activity is probably not doing them any good. It's not balancing itself out. Um, so it can be a challenge and my husband and I, we struggle with it sometimes where there's an event at church we want to take her to, but it doesn't, it starts at seven and doesn't end till 8.30. It's like, she's in bed by 7.30. <laughs> so it's like, well, what do we do? Um, and sometimes we just say, no, we're not going to do it. Um, and another thing, parents, I think, put themselves on the back burner. It's like, but what about you, mom? What about you, dad? I mean, that event is on a Wednesday night and Wednesdays are the days you work 10 hours or 12 hours straight. Do you really want to put that extra stress on you and your marriage? Because now you'll have less time together as a couple just for this event, you know? Um, and it could be different for everybody. Some people could say, yeah, we 
we miss bedtime a couple nights a week, but then we make it up, everything's fine. Great. But for most people, or maybe not most, maybe it's just me. <laughs> maybe it's a more minority. It's usually not worth it to shift everything. And, ugh. and I know that when my daughter's in bed at 730, I'm pretty much like wiped out for the day. I don't want to I don't want to shift her schedule too much because that's not only does it wreak havoc for her, but it wreaks havoc for me and my spouse. And, you know, um, so yeah. <laughs> I think what it comes down to is like, what, what is it that you value most? You know, like, yes, providing all of these activities for your child, you know, is going to give them more experience however at what cost right um, is it going to be at the cost of their health and well-being or at the cost of your marriage because you're busy doing all these things right so um just really having those conversations with your partner and as a family um and signing up for what you feel is important right now um, and having the boundaries and the ability to say no and prioritize that too, I think is really important. Um, so when we're thinking about uh, an appropriate bedtime, I heard you say, you know, your daughter is usually in bed by 730. My boys being um, one and a half and three right now are in bed usually between seven and 730. Um, as kids get older and they start school, I mean, my boys sleep until roughly anywhere between seven and eight in the morning and I'll wake them by eight if they're not already up. But I know that as we approach those school years, um, we're gonna have to get up a little earlier than that just to get everyone ready and out of the house on time. So how do you figure out what an appropriate bedtime is at that, at that point in time? Right. It's tricky because they still need between like 10 to 12 hours of sleep, you know, from like ages, I'd say like six up to eight, you know, it's still a, a big chunk of sleep. So, you know, you have to figure out what is the latest time we could possibly wait for the day and get everybody ready and out of the house and get to school and get me to work on time, you know. So if that's, if that's seven, um, and that's the time it is so that you're on time, but then I would, you know, I kind of subtract back. Okay. My kid needs 10 hours of sleep, 11 hours of sleep. So what would that be? Bedtime would be eight or nine, I guess. So, um, is that right? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, but if they're, you know, so that's what you would have to do to kind of make sure they're in that realm of of getting enough sleep. Now it does kind of, there's a range to it. There's some kids that, you know, six, seven, eight, they're like, okay, 10 hours of sleep a night. That's it. That's all I need. You know, whereas others, uh, they're in the 11, 12 range. So, so you would kind of shift things for where they need to be depending on your child's sleep need. Um, but then another thing too, is if, if your child's not feeling well or, they've had an, uh, an exceedingly um, exhaustive kind of day, 
then you would want to put them to bed a little bit earlier because you don't really have that chance to sleep in because we got to get up and moving, don't want to be late for school or work, you know, and that's hard too because I would imagine most kids uh, would give some fight about that, especially when they can start telling time. <laughs> you know and oh but my friend stays up till whatever and you know you're gonna get that and but no if that's your your part of your family uh, of your values within your family then that's what you have to stick to because you know it's only benefiting them and um we've had to do it with my daughter before and I'll tell her sometimes like I'm going to bed early too it's not <laughs> It's not just you. And I know it feels like a punishment, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard to, to listen to your body because, you know, just like they want to stay up and play, I want to stay up and watch whatever show I'm binging. Like, you know, it's just, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. It comes down to, you know, listening to your body. And I think educating them about that, you know, and oh my gosh, it's so funny. My three-year-old right now, when he's feeling upset sometimes, like he knows something is wrong with him in the moment. And he automatically says, mama bed, like he wants to go to bed because he's, he's feeling something that's off. I don't know if he's necessarily tired or not. And I'll like calm him down and whatnot. But just the fact that he recognizes that there's something more going on that he needs to work through or to rest or something, whatever it is. But teaching our kids, you know, to recognize that within themselves, I think is really important, especially, you know, when they can actually, like you said, tell time and communicate that <laughs> their displeasure, displeasure of missing out um, with you. So Yes, absolutely. And that, um, that's actually, that's called self, I think it's called self monitor monitoring behavior. It's been a while since I used to do uh, behavioral work with um, kids that were, would kind of act out. And yeah, so once they get to that level where they can kind of be like, oh, I don't like how I'm feeling. Let me take a breath. Let me, you know, really think about my decisions and not just act on impulse that's like a really evolved kind of reaction, you know? So it's, it's amazing at three, your child can do that. And I'm sure sleep has, <laughs> has something to do with it. Kind of an anomaly sleeper. Like I honestly, I could probably do his bedtime routine at like four in the afternoon and he'd go to bed. He loves to sleep. Um, so that's not definitely not normal for my other child, but um you know, we've been talking a lot about how sleep is so important, blah, 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 blah. But what about as kids get older, especially getting into those, you know, teenage years, preteen years, maybe uh, they're going to want to sleep in on the weekends. What are your thoughts on kind of making up for that lost sleep on the weekends with sleeping in? Yes, that's a tough one. Um, and there's such a temptation for it. Like, really and I was that teenager that was asleep through most of the morning <laughs> over the weekends. Um, well, I think it's important to try to make sure they're getting enough sleep throughout the week, which we kind of did, we discussed already, which is not scheduling so much. Um, but let's just say it happens anyway. Uh, I would encourage my child to get to sleep earlier 
which I know is the most unpopular <laughs> opinion, but, uh, but really it's better. And I would always say, okay, I'm doing it too. It's not just you. Um, and think about how good you'll feel tomorrow when you get to get all that good sleep tonight, you know, and that doesn't really work that well to sleep in because, you know, our bodies are, they really are designed to be asleep when it's dark and be awake when it's light. And if we try to change that, uh, it does really wreak havoc on us. You know, um, I would maybe even go as far as getting, and I just got one for myself and I'm, it just came today. So I'm, I'm eager to try it, but it's, a uh, an alarm clock that simulates the sunrise. Well, I've heard yeah. Those. yeah, I've, I've, I'm impressed. I think, I think it'll work. So I, I sometimes have a hard time. Well, I always have a hard time waking in the morning. So um, I'm just not, I'm more of a night owl person. But um, so I would maybe go as far as that, like, let's get this clock to help you. I mean, it would help them throughout the week, of course, too. Um, but I think, but it's kind of tricky because when they're at that age, it kind of, you have to tiptoe a little bit. Like where do <laughs> uh, I think a lot of that comes back to, too, like trying to build that intrinsic motivation for them. You know, when yeah. your body is feeling tired, you know, listen and go to bed a little early. That's okay. Because think of how well you're going to feel tomorrow. I love that. Angela, is there anything else we need to chat about regarding this topic? Anything we missed? Uh, no, nothing I can think of. I think, I think we covered it all. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can we connect with you and find you online? Yes. So my website is nappenbergersleep.com. Um, should I spell it? I will make sure I link it in the show notes. So okay. you can go directly there to click on it. Um, it's, yeah. Yep. And tomorrow I'm going to be revamping it. So it'll be even easier to use and look even better. Uh, so that's where you can find me. And there will be a link to my Facebook group, which I do post in regularly. We'll have all the sleep tips you need. It gives you all the information about you know, how do you get over this sleep regression or, you know, what do you do if they're climbing out of their crib or whatever you might need. Um, so that's how you can, how you can reach me on my website. And then it, it could link you to my, will link you to my Facebook group. Perfect. I will make sure that I have all of that information in the show notes for you. So make sure that you go and connect with Angela online. And if you need any other sleep resources, make sure to check out the blog at lakecountrysleep.com as well as any other podcast episodes. And thanks for listening. We will see you next time. If you found today's episode of the Coffee and Catnaps Parenting Podcast helpful, relevant, timely, relatable. We hope that you subscribe to the show, follow along, leave us a five-star rating and review, and share this with your friends. Your ratings and reviews help grow the show so that we can bring this awesome resource to parents everywhere.